recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Bumpley. This is being released on June 30th, 2016. How the hell is everybody doing? Oh, you can be better? Well, I have a solution for you. If you want to listen to the rest of the Red Ticket Blues Podcast, well, you can find them on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play. Hey, got guests like Steve Summers, John Dostremski, Ken Davidoff, Phil Mushnick. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So check those out. And it's another edition of the Thursday Talk Podcast. We have a guest. And hey, we're presented by Seat Swap Tickets. Now, last week, you know, I dropped a little knowledge on their behalf for you. Drop it now. Just what I do. If there's one certainty in this world, it's that life will deliver you an untimely kick right straight in the nuts. And it'll ruin even your best late plans. And a lot of the time, those plans include sitting courtside at MSG games or watching the boss play in the swamps of Jersey. So what do you do at that point? Well, your options kind of suck. I mean... In reality, you can try and sell them for 30% of what they're worth on the secondary market. You can give them away to your friend or your client, or you can eat them. And, and no one likes eating money. Unless you're a politician, then you're eating someone else's money. So it's you know, it's practical that way. But in situations like this, seat swap tickets, well, that's why they exist in the first place. I mean, they connect you with other fans just so you can trade and swap your tickets like you were doing with baseball cards, your Pokemon cards, or, or Pogs. You know, remember Alf? He's back in Pog form. So it's basically like playing fantasy sports, but with your event tickets, the best part is you're able to turn your seats into another event you want to see. So no more dealing with shady brokers or bots. I mean, they're a community more concerned with getting fans like you to more of the events than they are with taking the vig off the top like some other sites. It doesn't matter what kind of fan you are. Seat swap, they're there for you. They'll help you make the deal that works best for you. You want to trade your Mets games to go see Hamilton with your wife? That's exactly the kind of thing that Seat Swap does. And because Seat Swap was founded by a couple of guys, they're happy to be proud members of the Mongo Nation. Well, they're offering Red Ticket Blues listeners exclusive access to their private beta before they roll it out to the public. Yes. I mean, these guys, they're, they're so committed to personally you know, meeting each and every person interested in using SeatSwap. They're even letting me give their personal information to the world. Okay. They said you can send them anything you want as long as it's legal. Let's, let's, let's take it easy, guys. All right. So if you're interested in getting to know what SeatSwap is all about, or if you just want to BS about New York sports, why not? You can just reach Dan at Dan at SeatSwapTickets.com or Josh at Josh at SeatSwapTickets.com. Just remember, they're the only place on the web, the entire internet, even the deep web. You won't even be able to find it there. The dark web, all of it. it it's not, it's not it, you can't do it. Where you can safely swap tickets on other fans, it's SeatSwapTickets.com. That's SeatSwapTickets.com. And if you didn't hear me before, listen up. It's SeatSwapTickets.com. So thank you to SeatSwap, our partner. We love them. This week's guest, Scott Reinen who is the founder of BronxPinstripes.com. You know, Scott is a guy who knows his Yankees. So we talk about this current Yankee team, how we got the site up in the first place, and how we grew this community to what it is right now. And, you know, some of it's negative, as we know how the Yankee season is going, but I think we try to to be as positive as we possibly can, you know, after winning so many championships and then having a down year. Boo-hoo, right? Well, let's let's get to Scott. Presented by SeatSwapTickets.com. He is the founder of the Yankee fan community site, Bronx Pinstripes, Scott Ryan. And Scott, thank you for coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. So, again, it's, again appreciate you, ha- you being here. Let's. I got to ask you, though, did you stay up till 2.14 a.m. to watch this Yankee disaster unfold early this morning? No, I absolutely did not stay up till 2.14 a.m. And, and there's a reason for that is because as soon as I saw Girardi come out and, and take the ball from Chapman, I knew... I knew most likely 
Kirby Yates was coming in whenever they restarted this, and it wasn't going to be pretty. And I could have—I I don't think I could have predicted how, how bad it got, but uh, I didn't think they were going to come away with the win after after that. So, no, I actually did not. I read—I read our recap uh, first thing in this morning. I stayed up to about twelve thirty. And then I said, you know, I, I had enough of the Yankee fluff pieces of, you know, uh, of Roldis Chapman becoming a citizen and, uh, you know, Jack Curry playing basketball at CC Sabathia. I can only take so much. And, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be a great outcome. It's, I'm kind of echoing your sentiment there. I didn't have any idea it would have been this bad. Hitting three batters. Crazy. Now this, yeah, that's, I don't want to overreact because I normally overreact, but this was one game. Was this a backbreaker last night to a great team, one of the best teams in the Major League Baseball? I mean, this team's always hovering, hovering a little below, a little above, right at 500. Was this a backbreaker, or should I just, you know, stay calm? Well, see, that's exactly the reason why I don't think I don't think we have backbreakers this season. We haven't really <laughs> had anything that's been backbreaking because what happens is is we break our back multiple times, and then we come back and we'll win six games in a row, and then they'll break their back again. So this team has been, I've, I've been calling them all season like the, it's, it's like the early, the early season of Michael Pineda was Jekyll and Hyde. This is a bipolar team. One day they're, they're, you know, they're on their meds and they're all good. The next day, completely off. No idea what's going to happen. So it's a, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of want them to choose one way or the other so that we can get some resolution to the season. I've been saying this, this all, probably the last, well, the, Basically the entire season, I've been saying the same thing. I kind of gotten crap from people saying, you know, oh, how, how can you not root for the Yankees? Well, you know, this, this it's tough watching some of these games. I mean, you know, one run, four hits, little difficult. Uh, before we get into more of the team, I want to know, and the world wants to know a little bit more about you. So, I mean, let, let let's see. How did your Yankee fandom actually go into? How did it go from that to saying, well, I'm going to start Bronx pinstripes? <laughs> Man, it was actually because I, I was I had no intentions on st- uh, in starting a, a site like Bronx Pinstripes the way it's become. It originally started out as a, as a site six years ago called NYY Universe, and I got a nice little letter from from MLB Advanced Media saying, "Hey, that's too close to a Yankee trademark." <laughs> so that's actually when we switched our name. I think it was three years ago, but it started because I went to school and met my wife. Uh, outside the tri-state area and I wanted a way for to you know to keep up with the team a little bit more more closely I've been a, a fan obviously my entire life and relatively obsessed so that's that's how it started it was just me writing and and making really crappy graphics and uh and and trying to get people to follow me on social media uh you don't use social media that much your your personal Twitter, you, you got a lot of followers. You you don't ever really tweet that often though. I know. Well, you know, a lot of them are actually uh, they're from they're from a few different things. I also I used to have a show called Behind Sports, and a lot of people followed me on that. I used to do interviews with with people who worked in sports too. So I've I've really moved towards mostly tweeting from Bronx pinstripes, just because during the Yankee season, you know, that's usually where I am anyway. I'm watching games and, right. and tweeting. So. I, it's hard to find the time, in all honesty, to to tweet from different accounts all the time and and to throw out all my personal thoughts out there. It's just uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I do it when I think about it. And uh, sometimes you'll see me like you'll, you'll see me tweeting spurts. Right. Uh, we're around the same age. Um, I'm gonna I'm 35 years old. Uh, been rooting for the Yankees my whole life like that. Like like you mentioned, you had. Were you sort of pushed into rooting for the Yankees like myself and confused because at the time you know they they kind of sucked. 
I, I don't think I was confused or pushed into it. I, for, for whatever reason, I think when you're, when you're a young kid, you just, you kind of, usually it's, it's either influence from a family member, like you're saying, I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Yeah. My father, uh, I actually didn't have that influence. The, the influence from my, my father wasn't there as far as a Yankee fan. Cause he's not really a big Yankee fan. My grandfather was a Yankee fan. So that could be it now that I'm thinking about it more, but he used to take me, he had the, uh, a season tickets, uh, a Sunday ticket. So we would go to the games on Sundays um, on occasion when he had a, a ticket available, but you know, I, I, I got behind Don Mattingly and for whatever reason, Willie Randolph, I, I think I had heard stories about Willie Randolph cause I never really saw him play that I, you know, to my, to my recollection, I was right. too, I was too young at that time. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I really got, I really latched on to Don Mattingly. Like he was my guy. So I, I think he really pushed, pushed the fandom to another level. You know, we were just talking before we started recording and, you know, I, I, I live in Connecticut and, you know, growing up, you know, 86, 87, it could have easily gone for the, the bandwagon and been a Red Sox fan. But yeah, my father pushed me to the right side, so he knew what he was doing. Well, that's good. Good job um, on, on dad. <laughs> uh, anybody who listens to my podcast knows that I listen to the Bronx Pitchstripe podcast all the time for Yankee news. Uh, you and your, your co-host, Andrew Rotondi, you guys do a great job. And I have to ask you, though. I mean, do you almost wish that you're doing the podcast from like the years of 96 to 2001? Or do you think this, the constant questions of mediocrity and small controversy bring a little more to the table in your mind? Man, it's always more fun to talk about a winning team. I can tell you that because, you know, we find ourselves sometimes, you know, when we're especially this season, when it's it's literally the same story every week, it seems like where, you know, you can't get too you can't get too excited for the highs. You can't get too down on the lows and you're, you're kind of stuck in, in, in like a purgatory at that point. But the the fact that they're not winning as much right now definitely makes it more difficult. I can only imagine what it would have been like at that point in 96 to be talking about it, or at least being in my body now, knowing what I know now, but having a team like the 96 <laughs> team, I think that's better to put it because in 96, when I was 16, I would have been a, a bumbling idiot on this uh, on a show. But um, yeah, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the the new wave because – I see some really good things happening in the minors, and I think these kids have some – not only their, their ability to play ball on the field, but it seems to me – and this is just my, my intuition, I guess, and just kind of looking at them. But it seems like they have some, some very good mental makeup on, on some of these kids. It seems like a lot of their heads are, are, uh, are squared on – or screwed on tightly under their shoulders. So I'm excited for, for the next few years. Yes, yeah, so I guess this is a decent segue into that, and I agree with you. You got a new crop ready to come up. You have sort of the aging, uh, you know, parts of the past still hovering. So, so back to this current team. Uh, we're doing this Tuesday morning after the debacle last night. The Yankees are at thirty-seven and thirty-eight, and they're 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 hovering. They're hovering at mediocrity. We're still just a we're still just a month away from the trade deadline. Are they sellers on this day, June twenty-eighth? Well, if you ask the the Yankees front office, they're not sellers because <laughs> of course not. They're I, I don't know what it was yesterday. As of Sunday, they were two and a half games back in the wild card. I don't know where that is right now. If it's if it's uh, three games or three and a half games or even if it's moved, but either way, there's six teams ahead of you. Uh, there's six teams ahead of the Yankees. So that two and a half games is actually a lot larger than it seems because there's a lot of people that we would have to leapfrog to get into that spot and and division rivals also. So. There's a lot of things to consider. I personally, I, I want them to sell at least some of their assets. The ones that, like to me, Chapman is an obvious sell. The guy is is not controlled anywhere past this year. He is he's probably you know one of the most dominant closers 
right now. I'd say Andrew Miller is right there with him, um, excluding last night. But the, you know, he he can get you something. Granted, he's a rental, but there are teams, the Nationals, the Giants, are looking for back of the the Cubs, are looking for back of the bullpen help, and obviously. Chapman's a guy that that will be uh, will be looked at. So yeah, um, I I want to build to the future. That's that's where my head's at right now. They are three games out of the wild card, and you know it feels like this game this this team's like twenty games out of first place. But I mean, three out of the five teams in the AL East lose last night, and you know for the the the, the team on fire that started the season, the Boston Red Sox, the you know the Yankees are only three and a half games behind them, which is insane. Uh, is anyone untouchable on this team? I mean, you mentioned Chapman, you mentioned Miller. Is there anyone that, you know, maybe the chap, uh, excuse me, Cashman says, well, we're going to get rid of McCann or, or some, somebody of that ilk. Is anyone untouchable? I see are untouchable are the, uh, the, the middle infield. No one's, they're not going anywhere. DD and Castro are going to be here for a long time. And I don't think they're going to be getting rid of Batances either. Other than that, no, I don't think anybody's untouchable. I think, I think literally everybody is on the table. It, that's 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 the way I would go about it. In all honesty, I yeah. would I would save the kids, uh, unless some blockbuster came around and you know the names, uh, the name Jose Fernandez came about. You know, then I would start looking into the minor leagues at some of these guys. But you know, other than that, no, I think it's I think it's everybody on this team besides the uh, you know the middle infield and Batances. You know, you're just talking about Chapman and one of the writers on the Bronx Pinstripe uh, site there, Tom Hanson. Tom's a good guy. I follow him on Twitter. So this is nothing against him. He's only reporting the news saying that, you know, the Yankees have been impressed by the demeanor and the way he's handled himself in, in a role as Chapman. And they may re-sign him. Now, to me, I, I don't see why you'd want to. He, he's good. He hasn't been amazing. Is he worth the the large contract he's going to pick up, or or am I just being you know naive, or maybe not naive is not the right word? Am I just being too hard on him and just comparing everyone to Mariano Rivera? Have the ultimate standard, right? To to compare, yeah, exactly. To. So I think I'm I think I'm I'm being unfair to people. Like when I see him blow a save, I go, ah, oh, look at this shit. How, how, <laughs> how can this guy do this? This guy can't pitch. You know, it, it's really unfair to people. Well, and you know, the other thing to think about as well is is because we're in the New York market, and because the New York Yankees have always been a spectacle. Now that Araldis Chapman is in the ninth inning, there brings a lot of that spectacle back to the ninth inning in the sense that, you know, he, I mean, this guy comes in to rage against the machine, throws a hundred plus miles per hour. He gets people excited. People in New York like that type of fanfare. And when you have a guy that is, I mean, he is one of the most dominant closers in, in baseball. There's no doubt about it. I, I still think that, you know, once that velocity starts dipping as he gets older in age, he's not going to be as effective because I don't think his secondary yeah, what pitches. what is he? What is he at that point? Yeah, I, his, exactly. I don't know. That's why I think he's going to have to capitalize, you know, as for 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 the short term, just to to get as much money as he possibly can, which scares me for for the Yankees talking about re-signing him. But again, they're they're thinking about other things as well. They're thinking about ticket sales. They're thinking about marketing. And honestly, if I'm looking at it on that side of the uh, on that side of the coin, I mean, this dude is he will bring people into the stadium. There's no doubt about it. Randy Levine says tickets uh, pay, uh, tickets on paper now are obsolete, by the way, just just in case you were wondering. He he, he let the world know about tickets and how stupid all the writers were yesterday. So yeah, thank you. That was interesting to hear. Yeah, thank you, Randy. I appreciate you telling us that. Now you'll accept our, our, uh, our paperless tickets. It's good. <laughs> uh, speaking of articles um, – I want to know if you if you read the Joel Sherman piece from New York Post, obviously, uh, last weekend concerning Teixeira and A-Rod and how it might be time to buy them out. I mean, he cited the Rockies and the Dodgers for, uh, you know, 
buying out Reyes and Carl Crawford. Now, Teixeira, I mean, I was, I, like many, was piling tons of dirt on his Yankee grave only, you know, a few weeks ago. He's come back, hit a few home runs, but, you know, he, he also did that at the beginning of the season, too. He said, oh, wow, look, it's April and he's producing. And then that quickly fell off. So where is your head at? with this hypothetical dump of these guys, I almost, I'll let you answer. I almost would, I could, I don't know the point of dumping to share in the last year of the contract and a rod, it would be a bad idea in the middle of the season. He's a clubhouse guy and he's a fan favorite. I could see something like that happening in the off season though. With you, the, the to thing, I, you know, at this point you might as well just see what you can get. You know, obviously exactly. he's trying to play out this contract. He's in a contract year. He's trying to get, as much value as possible, to, or at least saving as much value as possible, just because of his early season, just disaster. Two home runs in the last couple of games. Um, so there's signs of him, uh, obviously, more healthy. And I think you got to ride him out, see what you can get for him. Now, A-Rod, on the other hand, dr- drives me nuts. I-, I can't stand watching him play baseball anymore. It's To me, he's an empty uniform. He, I'm glad that they're finally only playing him versus versus lefties at this point. And I hope that continues, but he he can't hit right-handed pitching anymore. He's guessing fastball, but guess what? Nobody's giving you the fastball that you're looking for anymore. They're throwing him a steady diet of breaking stuff and usually breaking stuff away. So uh, I don't know. I think he's he's completely done, and he's hurting the team at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean he's he's on the he's on the bench now. I mean he sat two straight games, and he even heard the quotes from A Rod yesterday saying, "Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm completely healthy. You know, I just want to get back." He's saying all the right things, which. He has a history of not saying the right thing. So that's good out of A-Rod. Now, I mean, yesterday, Francesa was alluding to – well, Francesa doesn't actually allude to anything. He just says it. Um, It being more of an issue of Beltran not being able to play right field, that's why A-Rod's sitting. You know, they they compare Hicks to A-Rod. They both stink, but Hicks can play a position. Is this about Beltran or is this just sort of a day-by-day thing and the media is making it more than it actually is? Partly because they want to see what Hicks has still. I mean, if, if we haven't seen enough of him, I, I don't know. This guy, he cannot. I don't get. He it. can't hit. He, he, he can't hit. He's a physical specimen that can't play baseball. I mean, that's that's it. I, I, I got so I got so annoyed with the with the 105 mile an hour oh my God. ball from oh outfield. Like, who cares? Great. He threw the ball hard one time. Awesome. He can't do anything else. But he even can't play the outfield very well, in my opinion. I mean, he does not track no. balls very well. He takes horrible routes to to fly balls. Anyway, the the fact that Beltron should honestly be our everyday DH is is a is is something that I think most people can see, and I, I think that's where that's where he should be. The fact that that A Rod is is holding him out of that spot, and and whether it's you know Aaron Hicks or, or Rob Refsteiner's bat every day and putting him in right field type of deal, yeah, he's hurting the team. And and I think obviously we know what Beltron is this season. I mean, the guy has had a completely amazing resurgence. He's been phenomenal. He's been by far the best hitter on the Yankees, and they need that bat in every day. And to me, he's more effective as a DH. Save his legs. I mean, he's he's not a good outfielder anymore. Uh, so so let's uh, you know that that would be the ultimate spot was putting him at DH and then you know platooning right field. I can't believe during like you know the middle of like a six one game and they throw the graphics up of Aaron Hicks's fastest throws from the outfield. That doesn't get you pumped up. Oh, it's so ridiculous. It's like they're just trying to to show. Anything good about this guy? And yes, that's it's it's great. Well, let's we need some help in the in the uh, middle relief. So let's put him on the mound and see if you can throw that yeah, right. over the plate. Maybe he won't hit three guys like Kirby Yates. Yes, yeah, sir. I mean, maybe. it couldn't be much worse. <laughs> uh, let's let's quickly talk about some of your Yankee man crushes because you have a few of them. Yeah. Uh, you you talk about them on the the Bronx Pinstripe podcast. 
Uh, let, let's get the ugly out of the way, uh, right? Nathan Nathan Evaldi. Now, this is your boy. You, you've you went to bat for him. You've went to the mattresses for him several times. Uh, I hate to pile on him because it seems like in a season like this, Yankee fans find a guy and they pile on him. Like, we piled on Chase Headley. And last year we piled on Stephen Drew. And it's not just because they have, you know, characterless faces. It's just they're not producing anything. And earlier it was Michael Pineda. And now it seems to be shifting a little bit to Nathan Evaldi. So, I mean, his ERA is at 5.19 now. Last five starts. Last five starts he's given up four or more runs. You, Scott Reinen, have you given up on Nathan Evaldi? You know, I actually did use my personal Twitter account the other day. I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted I out did. the the uh, the scene where uh, where Michael comes to Fredo and says, "You know, you broke my heart." Because that's mm-hmm. that's how I feel with Nathan Avaldi. I felt I felt like I have I have given him everything that I possibly could. I, I swear, <laughs> I, I've even given him good advice over this. You know, God help him if he doesn't listen to the show because the fact that that they keep telling me that he's he's lost the feeling for the splitter drives me mad it really does it drives me crazy i i don't understand that i don't understand how you can lose a feel for a pitch that one you lose a feel for this pitch for a, a month and a half or a month plus i mean that doesn't make sense to me get the feel back then brother like yeah, figure it out the, like you lose I don't the know feel of part of your job <laughs> it's it's unbelievable and and nathan of success is contingent on the splitter being effective and down on the zone. There's no doubt about it. That's that's his bread and butter. That's It was a new pitch that he developed last year. Thank you to Larry Rothschild. I, it's not really Larry Rothschild's fault. He's given him the keys to the you know to the car. Evaldi's just not driving it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do. I, I, this guy is, uh, he, he's not getting better. And he gets better and then loses it. And I don't understand that. To me, that doesn't make sense. So, it seems like the scapegoat, like you said, has been just kind of bouncing off people. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, Evaldi can come back and, and find the success he did in May because he was really good in May. When he was good, he was really good. And it's more, even more frustrating when you see the potential. You know, I almost feel like it's to, to go to another gangster movie. I feel like it's, you know, with uh, Paulie and Henry Hill and Goodfellas. And, you know, he throws him the wad of cash and says, now I got to turn my back on you. I feel like that's the way you're, you're, you're reacting with Nathan Evaldi. Yep, I could have gone with either clip. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 on him now, man. He's got to he's got to make the adjustment at this point. Uh, let's go to another. Uh, uh, I won't say great, but better. Uh, better better of your man crushes. That's uh, Rob Refsnyder. Now he's actually appeared in 21 games this year in, in, in June, four more than all of last year, and he's he's playing. You know, he's playing decent. 286 batting average, OPS 732. Okay, uh, it's not an all-star, but he's, he's processing nicely. Uh, Teixeira sort of, uh, you know, blocked his path, but he's he's producing now, so you can't get really mad at Mark Teixeira. We'll do that when he's when he starts not producing soon. Yeah, give but, it a week. Yeah, exactly. Or some some sort of broken leg, or something will happen with Mark Teixeira, and he'll give us a bodily percentage of how hurt he is. So I'm looking forward to that, and. But we know how quickly he can turn to garbage, obviously. So do you worry that Girardi and Cashman are going to send him down again for some inexplicable reason? Or do you think he's here to ride it out for the rest of 2016? Yeah, I, I like to think that he's here to ride it out. But obviously anything can happen. The The fact that you mentioned that that Ref Snyder is being blocked now by Mark Teixeira is something that I, know, I don't think people. anybody possibly yeah could have could have called. Right. I mean, he was blocked <laughs> last year by by Brendan Ryan and Stephen Drew. 
And it was driving yeah, me insane yeah. the entire year. I mean, Andrew and I were screaming at the top of our lungs since I think last May to get this kid on the team and, and keep him on the team. But, but, you know, a lot of things like you mentioned, he's, he's, uh, he's hitting well, he's, he's doing well. He's hitting what 286. You said, um, the, the fact that he's doing that with sporadic at bats, I think, is even more impressive. I mean, get this guy some time in there, get him into a, a nice solid groove. Uh, you're going to see much better results as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think he he I think he's earned his spot finally. I think he's being recognized for having that that versatility in the field, and and they know what he is at the bat. I mean, he's a he's a right-handed bat who who grinds out at bats, who you know makes a lot of contact, uh, hits for average, which is which is uh, you know. Not there are not very many guys on this in this lineup that actually no. hit for average, and and yeah, so I think he's he's kind of carved himself out as a, a utility guy, and uh, you know to me the the big the big problem for them was always his fielding, and I've just really never seen an issue with his fielding. I and mean, we saw some some blunders at third when he was in the, in spring training towards the end of spring, but I think that experiment went by the wayside, and they're now you know putting him in right field, uh, second base, and first, and he's 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 performed well. So, yeah, you know, I agree with the fielding stuff. He must have just been atrocious in the minor leagues for the, the always there's be to be a concern regarding the fielding. I mean, he's not Brooks Robinson, but I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I, I've i never really seen anything where I've just said, Ugh, you know, that, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, uh, right. We haven't had any Nunez moments, right? With, with no, him exactly. That I can no remember. Yeah. So, Scott, to, 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 to close this podcast, let's see, in pure unadulterated sports talk banter. Gun to your head. Give us the 2016 New York Yankees final record. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I can go anywhere. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say and say uh, 83 wins. I'll give them a, a couple just over. Just going over. Yeah, I, 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 but that's that's being very optimistic in my opinion. And I think a lot of it has to do with what happens in – in, uh, at the trade deadline, and to tell you the truth, I could honestly see a, a I could see a scenario where the Yankees go and they sell for they sell some of their assets, bring up some kids, and all of a sudden you start seeing a, a shift in a shift in attitude, a shift in momentum with kids starting to play together and well. I mean, we've seen this in the past with with younger teams where all of a sudden younger teams start getting hot, and then these guys start believing in themselves and they start you know gelling very well. I could actually see them playing better with with uh, with younger parts, to tell you the truth, and more consistently. Uh, you know, maybe that's just me being very optimistic, and I I do tend to go on that side. But um, but yeah, let's say eighty three wins. Scott, don't you remember? Randy Levine told us that they're not going to be sellers, and people that think that they're you're just stupid with nonsense. Didn't, don't you remember that? Yeah, we're all we're all we're all not very smart people. I know that we're all <laughs> we don't deserve to sit in the seats. We're we're not smart. We don't know how to use tickets. I. We've, we've heard this how many to use times. tickets. <laughs> uh, so, Scott, I want to thank you for coming on. Before you leave, to play us out, I have three quick questions for you. Ready? All righty. All right. Number one, what is the most crushing Yankee playoff loss for you as a fan? Um, I have two. I, I, I can't I can't depict between the two of them. So it was uh, 95. The Seattle game was just gut-wrenching for me at that time because, I, you know, I told you before that I'm a big Mattingly guy. That was kind of his uh, – his his last yeah. hurrah and uh, that one that one hurt badly and for very many for very different reasons 2001 was just was absolutely crushing as well you know that was the that was the year that they had to win the World Series that was the year that right. it was the, the first year that that the entire country was was behind the New York Yankees and uh, and the fact that that little bloop 
went over uh, went over Jeter's head off of off of Mo was uh, was was also extremely tough to handle. But yeah, those I'd say those two. And Tim McCarver called that little bloop too. And but I, I have to say, '95, I was at Game Two, the one where Mattingly and Ruben Sierra went back to back, and Lyrits hit the home run the fifteenth. I don't know. I feel you know, just going to that game, that that special special connection to that series and Jack McDowell throwing that pitch and Griffey running around the bases and smiling. Uh, it just makes me sick. Yeah. Um, that, I, the Mariners that year, they, oh, that was a, that was a bad year. Uh, number two, what is the best Yankee book you've ever read? Um, the best Yankee book. I'd have to say yes. The, the 61 book was, was to me, uh, you know, one of the, one of the good ones. Um, and I, I really enjoyed reading, the biography of Yogi Berra. I'd say so. Yogi is probably my favorite, just because I think he's such an inter- interesting character. Very good. And number three, which Yankee player, past or present, do you sp- despise more than anyone else? Man, Yankee player that I despise. Um, Stephen Drew's up there. I, I, I really, and I think it's it's really not his fault because I think he was thrown into a role that he shouldn't have been. He's in. just not good. Yeah. He would he would have been a good utility guy. I don't. I just don't think mm-hmm. it was. Uh, um, man, that's a tough one. I don't. I don't even know if I really despise anybody. I, I never really could get around. I'll, I'll give you this one. I could never really get my head around Johnny Damon being a Yankee. While I don't despise him because he right. was he was a big part of of uh, of, of some big games. The, the, I just could never wrap my head around him being a Yankee. And I think he's the only one that made that transition that I could that I could never really wrap my head around. So. He was the most weird one to me, I guess I'll, I'll say. But I don't really have too much uh, too much animosity towards any one player, I guess. Hands down, number one for me, Kyle Farnsworth. I've had enough of okay. him for a lifetime. Uh, See, the thing was with, with these guys, with those with the with the hard throwers, and this is probably why I like Evaldi. It's I, I he's got great stuff. Yeah, potential. I, I'm a big I'm a sucker for potential. <laughs> he's scott ryan in bronx pinstripes bronx you can follow scott on twitter at scott ryan and follow the bronx pinstripes pinstripes at bronx pinstripes listen to the podcast on itunes is there anything else we need to plug here for the bronx pinstripes no definitely just check us out um we we have a fan shop now too so with some uh, some great tees that i do i do most of the designs in there so definitely check those out it's all uh non-licensed stuff by the fans so yeah I, brian i appreciate it. it was a lot of fun yeah thanks a lot thanks for coming on the red ticket blues podcast and uh go yankees right definitely hopefully there he is everyone scott ryan of the bronx pinstripes remember to check out all the avenues of the bronx pinstripes hey you may not like all the the things that Scott and I had to say about the Yankees, but we're being practical, we're being realistic. Deal with it. I'm sorry. It's just deal with it. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Remember, you can always listen to the rest of the Red Ticket Blues podcast shows on iTunes, TuneIn, Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. And hey, follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at Red Ticket Blues. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave a review if you haven't already. And with all that being said, I'm out of here.